This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. My name is Rich Bradbury. Welcome to Tech Talk this morning. Uh, A whole bunch of things we've spoken about during the pandemic. One of the things is... uh, gaming you know we've heard numerous times on this show that gaming and um, its popularity has skyrocketed during the pandemic uh, a majority of gamers being on mobile platforms and particularly in this region as well with me on the phone is someone from nuve uh, and they are a global payments technology company headquartered in montreal uh, they provide businesses with pay in and pay out options including card issuing banking, risk and fraud management services, which enables them to accept more than 570 alternative payment methods. They went public in September 2020 with a $700 million initial public offering on the Toronto Stock Exchange. And at the time, uh, the Canadian IPO was the largest ever technology company offering on the Toronto Stock Exchange. And a year later, in October 2021, Nuve closed a $424.8 million IPO on the NASDAQ. And recently, they've been paying a lot of attention to the payments landscape in APAC. And I'm here to, on a, to uh, talk a little bit about payments, I guess, within the gaming industry. Uh, when it comes to payment solutions, what exactly do gamers want? Uh, and to talk with me today, I've got Praful Mora. He is Nuve's Global Expansion Officer. Hi, Praful. How are you today? I'm very well. Thank you very much for inviting me. Um, I'm super excited to uh, talk about this subject and yes. to have a conversation with you. Yeah. Me too. Um, before we get, we get started, Praful, you, would you consider yourself a gamer at all? Well, um, I wouldn't. I think I'm, I'm, uh, my sons are definitely gamers who are, <laughs> who are involved in it. I used to play the old Defender, if you remember, in the old yeah. days where used to uh, have that. I was super good at that. But as uh, technology moves on, the only sort of games I tend to do is more physical. But uh, the occasional uh, uh, chasing cars is good. But but my sons are definitely into it. <laughs> okay. Now, how would you say um, the way in which gamers pay for games has changed? And do you think that the way in which it has changed is something that the gamers kind of requested and suggested or was it just the way that the industry was headed well it's it's interesting right because it's a form of evolution for me um and gamers are are, are really leading the way in terms of how they want to um access their games their their uh access how you actually pay for those particular games so i think What's really interesting from my perspective is that the evolution of games has really grown massively from the old Defender days, if uh, I just mentioned, which was very uh, analog based, whereas mm-hmm. now it's uh, um, very focused on uh, uh, live streaming and getting things uh, instantly. Mm-hmm. With that came the change and demand by the users to have payments done immediately as well, because the last thing you want to do is wait to pay for something when you've got a live game in action Mm. as you speak so Mm. that has driven both sides both from the gamers side and also from the payment side to really match the demands that the users want Mm -mm. and how do you think this kind of instant payment uh, and this changing thing has um, helped uh, publishers 
Well, I think I think the the biggest thing that I think it really hit uh, publishers um, is really the ability to reach new players globally. Right. So if you look at what what the pandemic brought was um, essentially a lot of folks stuck at home, the ability to release that energy, that mindset, uh, and do that through games, through interaction, mm-hmm. was massive. So if you are a publisher today, um, trading in a specific country, region, or globally, all of a sudden, the entire globe is your oyster. You can do what you want to do with that. And that's what's brought um, uh, you know, the ability to accept payments from any user around the world to play that game, mm. super important for publishers, in my opinion. Mm-mm. And when we look at um, current payments within gaming, what do you think are the most important factors that we, we need to consider? Uh, you know, talk to me about um, three primary factors and why you think they're important. Um, it's a really interesting uh, question because I, I deliberated a quite a bit about that to just look at it from um, my side. I can talk all this jargon that you can have, but I think it needs to be very clear and precise. Mm. Um, when a user is actually playing, um, the ability to make a payment should be invisible. Yeah. You should not have the um, uh, whole concept of going somewhere else, uh, um, going into a completely different uh, screen to start to uh, make you for a payment. Invisibility is super important, which then brings the next question. If you're invisible behind the scenes accepting a payment, then you should also have that payment very secure. Last yeah. thing you want to do is to take a payment and then find that actually somebody has insecurely taken your payment. And then I think the third most important is the uh, what I explained earlier on. Um, gamers are now accessed globally. So therefore, you must have the ability to pay payments um, globally, uh, mm. whether you are based in Brazil or whether you're based in uh, Singapore or Thailand. makes no difference. That ability to um, have invisibility, have the ability to have a secure payment, and your choice of payment is super important, in my opinion. Mm. I mean, there's a few things that, you, that you've raised there, and I'd kind of like to explore um, a couple sure. of those. And I think the one that I want to explore first is, you know, the UX and um, for people at home, you know, the user interface and about how that affects the user experience when it comes to payments. I mean, you mentioned there about it being invisible, you know, and a way to do it very quickly without going from one screen to another. Why do you think that's important for uh, both gamers and for, um, I I guess, uh, the publishers? Yeah, so um, first and foremost, for the publishers, um, if you have an unhappy user, um, the whole cost around bringing a user, the marketing of bringing that user to your games, to your uh, particular uh, 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 offering, it's a cost. Then it's a question of making sure um, that user is uh, there playing and ready to pay for the item at their own demand. Super important. So the, mm-hmm. from the publisher side, if you have a happy user, you have a repeat user that will come in uh, or gamer that will actually come in and understands that you know this publisher is giving great user experience. I can pay for goods and services uh, on my demand. Mm. From a user's uh, experience is that if you have 10 users and, and five of them are giving you services at your quality and experience, and then you find the other five are lagging because 
um, uh, you know, the, their services are essentially not instant, not payable on the choices of uh, uh, payments that you want, whether it's a card payment, a wallet payment, a prepaid card, an alternative payment, then what you find is users um, users have so many choices out there and publishers want their attention. So what you have is user experience. That's what's going to really make the difference. And underpinning that, in my opinion, is superbly around payments. Because mm. if you can't pay for something that you want instantly, you'll go somewhere else because somebody else will be able to give you that service. Yeah. So those are the two areas that I think are important to consider. You will just, I mean, I've been there myself, you know, whether or not it's playing on a PlayStation or, or playing on a PC or, or even on a phone, the second I've chosen to to purchase something within a game and it, it chooses to send me to a different website or, you know, a, even a different screen within that game, they've already lost my interest at that point, you know. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And and I think if you look at anything in life nowadays, um, if you're having to wait too long for something, mm. then you your mind switches to mm. something else. And mm. for publishers and users, the, the demand is the same, just in from a different angle. Mm. Now, we've spoken a little bit about um, the idea of being able to pay what you want from wherever you are, um, from, from, you know, maybe different currencies, different forms of, of payment methods. Uh, and mm. one of the things that I know it is an issue for for publishers. It is uh, things like payment declines. Um, yes. You know where somebody, for example, like you mentioned from Brazil, is playing a game that's perhaps published elsewhere, and if they, there's no like local um, payment partnership set up, there's a payment decline. How difficult do you think it's been historically for publishers to form um, partnerships with payment partner uh, payment partners? Well, um, my view is that um, uh, obtaining the correct payment partner, um, the right fit for you, um, is superbly uh, important. And this is because uh, generally some game providers may target a specific region, country, or, yeah. or globally. Right? If you look yeah. at you know the, the big gamers like uh, Sony and, and Xbox and so on, they, they are targeting an, a global audience. So, so um, having a partner a payment partner that has that variety of payments. Most people will think about credit cards, debit cards as um, as the, the primary function. Yes, it yeah. is the primary. But if you suddenly look at um, something like uh, Indonesia, 250, um, give or take 250 million uh, people there, uh, around 50, 60% are unbanked. Yeah. So they don't have credit cards. They won't have a bank account, but what they mm. may well have is a form of a wallet, which is quite common uh, in in that um, uh, in that country, and that that wallet needs to be enabled to accept payments online and make them instantly. So just mm -hmm. to give you that demographic, that um, you know, it's really really important to have that payment partner that enables the user, uh, the the gamer, to pay in the currency in the uh, payment method that they're actually quite used to. And mm. it's not always cards. It is generally for big ticket items, but you have to remember these are small ticket items that people are paying as they're playing. Mm -mm. And just explain to me a little bit, I, I guess, how, how Nuve kind of helps people uh, in, in places like Indonesia along with that. Yeah, so um, so we are a, a global payments company. Um, and what we've done is... Uh, we've got um, full-blown licenses that enabling us to accept payments uh, uh, throughout the world uh, in an, over 200 markets. Uh, 
um, where we can offer the the main service, which is uh, credit cards and debit cards. That's that's the bread and butter in terms of global uh, transactions. But what we've done in the last um, five years is really focused on what gamers, um, users, if I may, want to pay with other than credit cards. So mm-hmm. we've developed um, a, 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 a alternative payment method, which enables, um, we have, as you mentioned, Richard, um, 570, but what it enables is, the user to have essentially a drop down of all the payments in their country, in their region, or depending on where they want to uh, play and what the publisher is issuing. This then basically gives them a wide range of payment solutions, both um, from a subscription basis or from an in-app as you're playing basis. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also uh, the familiarity of having a payment that's unique to you in your country. So in Indonesia, it's generally driven out of bank-to-bank transfers, mm-hmm. uh, wallet providers. There's a smaller um, uh, acceptance in terms of cards because that's generally seen as a big ticket uh, mm-hmm. item uh, payment. So what you have here is the, uh, the very strong combination of cards globally um, and also alternative payments, which basically can tap into a, a, any um, any payment around the world. And publishers particularly look for this because um, when you're selling, uh, um, when you're actually publishing a, a, a game, you want the entire globe to have your game. That's yeah. the whole point of it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. On that note, let's take a short break. Uh, folks, I'm on the phone with Prefal Mara. He is Nuve's Global Expansion Officer. They're a global payments technology company with headquarters in Montreal. They provide businesses with pay-in and pay-out options, including card issuing, banking, risk and fraud management services, and enables them to accept more than 570 alternative payment methods. We're talking about uh, payment solutions within gaming right now. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, I've got some more questions for Prafal. Don't go anywhere. This is Tech Talk here on BFM 89.9. Big Front Man, BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. My name is Rich Bradbury. Welcome back to Tech Talk this morning. I'm on the phone with Prafil Mara. He is Nuve's, uh, sorry, he is Nuve's Global Expansion Officer. If you don't know who they are, they're a global payments technology company with headquarters in Montreal. They're offering around 570 alternative payment methods for a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, Prefel, earlier on, we we kind of briefly touched on, um, uh, well, we touched on quite a few things, but one thing that we haven't approached really yet is, is the issue of fraud, and obviously this is a big uh, a big issue within the, the gaming industry, uh, and it's always been something that's unfortunately associated with the gaming industry in one way or another, and it's only increased during the pandemic. Um, how do you think payment platforms are tackling this situation and reassuring their customers um, right now, I guess? Yeah, so um, absolutely correct. Um, the last two, three years has really driven the demand for uh, games and publishers to issue more games, which naturally comes into play. Um, and there are sort of two sort of 
um, uh, uh, fundamental types of frauds that generally start with cards. Mm. If I may go over that one first, um, uh, the classic, uh, you have a card and, um, and you've uh, taken the details of another and then you subsequently go in there and, uh, and, and, and place, uh, place a, a, an order. The second one is what we call uh, friendly fraud, uh, which essentially is Praful Morar, for example, takes his own card, uh, purchases an order for a game, and then subsequently says, it wasn't me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, so these are sort of the two ones that uh, generally uh, pick out. But keep in mind, it's not just cards, it's alternative payment methods. And in those instances, um, there are other types of services that uh, come in to play. Um, the, the card uh, payment uh, providers have really looked at um, a full-blown fraud management uh, solution that looks at um, the trend, looks at the card, uh, looks at um, a velocity check, which has hundreds of checks to make sure that when a user says it's their name is Profool from Singapore, uh, at this particular address with a code, which you'll see the CVV code sometimes yeah. is put in that system already generated. That's one. The second could be where Praful has already got an account with a publisher. Uh, he's well known. And if there's any deviation to his normal uh, processing uh, or request for games, suddenly he's now charging a thousand dollars at a time. Mm-hmm. That's a deviation from where uh, it comes. So it's a form of tracking that actually um, takes place. So it's very, very important that you're with a payments company that has history of a strong fraud engine, not just on a card basis, not just on an alternative payments basis, and also not just on a a country or local basis, you need a provider that has a wide reach of um, uh, a global fraud management services, because um, you know your gamers are coming from everywhere. It's not mm-hmm. just in the in one place. You may be selling a, a publisher, maybe selling something in APAC. Um, but but the gamer will be coming from the US, for example. So you mm-hmm. need a wide breadth uh, payment provider that really covers those um, uh, key ingredients, and most importantly, understands your business that fits in with the uh, with the level of risk you're prepared to take. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think just one last point. One of the things that uh, fraudsters tend to do is um, they take small transactions while in gameplay. So when they're in the game. They do a very small transaction to see if the card or the alternative payment bites. Yeah, uh, We spend a lot of time tracking those because when it bites, when it takes, they know the card's live, they know the alternative payment method works, and then they can go away and essentially uh, buy larger ticket items. Mm-hmm. And that's where um, you know um, the, the, the gaming industry has had a little bit of a tough time, but definitely it's something to watch out for. Mm. Um, okay, so... As the the kind of gamer base expands, um, and, and we've spoken about this, and this is something obviously that you guys are offering in abundance, five hundred and seventy different alternative payment methods, um, yes. with more people choosing to use non traditional methods, credit cards, for example, as you just mentioned, how important mm. is it that these publishers are more aware that there are more options out there, uh, even for things like? crypto payments, for example, which depending on which side of the fence you sit on are, are a great thing or then not a great thing. How important is it for, for publishers to be aware of this and to take you uh, and to take um, 
an interest and start using stuff like crypto payments, do you think? Yeah, so let me let me address the uh, crypto uh, uh, payment side. I, I I believe it's a um, it's an evolving uh, product set that's coming through. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there there are uh, different types of crypto payments that you can do. The standard crypto, where you can essentially buy uh, uh, goods and services with crypto. Yeah. Um, then there are other ones which are coming through from a stable coin perspective, and then governments are looking at issuing theirs. When I look at a publisher um, and, and looking at the 40 plus crypto uh, alternative payments we have in our system, uh, the traction's been fairly low. I think there's an adoption that needs to be done here, mm-hmm. um, and that's a that's a gamer's own use uh, um, understanding and usage of them. I think. Uh, when I look at a gamer, um, uh, they're generally the demographic of age uh, uh, compared to the um, the older gamers. They're more likely to want to go for a non-traditional payment uh, like a credit yeah. card. Agreed. Um, yeah. That's one area to to really focus on uh, crypto as a as a. And I think crypto will adopt, but just over a confidence and time period. Alternative payments is what many of the uh, um, uh, uh, younger millennials, if you will, have grown up with, uh, uh, rather than the credit card, grown up with local payments. So I think alternative payments it will and is forming a huge, um, uh, a huge presence in, in, in the publisher's uh, portfolio of payments. They need to take that into account. And I think also publishers really should um, take a look at um, their demographic of you um, gamers. Mm. When you actually look at the gamers and where they come from, that will tell them whether um, a gamers come from the US, predominantly going to push a card payment. Yeah. If they come yeah. from APAC, predominantly they'll be card depending on the size of the ticket or alternative payments. And then geographic, uh, as I explained, some are unbanked and therefore um, uh, want to still play, will use alternative payment methods. So mm. I think there's a, a whole uh, um, uh, list of things that one needs to consider, which is what Nuve brings to all of our, uh, our customers, that knowledge experience to sort of say, you need to consider these particular things in that country, mm-hmm. that region and geographically. Yeah. I mean, I, I I do love the idea at some point further down the line of of you know crypto purchases, uh, but as you know and I know the volatility right now, you know, f- for one day you could be paying I don't know ten sing dollars for some outfit in a game, and yet that same thing could be four hundred sing dollars the next day, depending on how the crypto uh, world is doing. Correct? Yeah. No. Exactly. And and that's why I think the confidence in crypto will only come over time yeah. um, and, 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 and time and stability. And, mm-hmm. and e- even when you look at this, uh, um, this environment that we're in right now with, with uh, um, all of the world situation and the cost of living and, and yeah. so on, it, it brings the anxiety of uh, stability, right? Yeah. You don't, yeah. don't have the, that stability and anxiety kicks in. And I think crypto, crypto will come through, um, but it, all in good time because um, what it brings is speed. Yeah. What it brings is um, you you can make that instant payment there and then. Um, but what it's lacking is security, uh, mm-hmm. liquidity, 
Uh, and that will come over time, like like with any major uh, payment institution. Mm. I've just got a couple more questions for you just before I let you go. And I, you've kind of <laughs> already hinted at, at the answer to this one uh, about the preferred payment methods so far in the APAC region. Um, you, you say it, it's mainly kind of some kind of wallet or bank to bank transfer. Is that correct? Yeah, so um, uh, alternative payments come in a range of things, uh, depending on where you are in which part of the world. Um, uh, so uh, prepaid cards, wallets, bank-to-bank uh, -bank transfer, voucher-based, uh, buy now, pay later, installments. Mm. They're like six, seven different types. <laughs> but I think, <laughs> so So if you're buying a sofa and you want to buy now and pay later, fantastic. Yeah, if you're yeah. buying a sofa and you want to pay in installments, fantastic. But if you are uh, a gamer who is uh, right in the middle of the game and you know you're running low and you need to top up fast, then nine times out of 10, it's a quick bank transfer. It's a quick wallet transfer. Um, and depending on the speed of the card, oh, it's a quick card uh, uh, transfer. So I think it's understanding the balance in which what, what you're doing. And keep in mind, right, APAC, uh, Asia Pacific generally not generally, it's it's 50% um, of the entire gaming. Um, in, in some of the reports that I've read, it's 50% of the entire gamers around the world. It's a huge market that publishers need to look at. And when they when they look at their, their, their users, they look at their demographic, getting that right payment partner next to you and helping you through that process through real analytical data, it's hugely important. Mm -hmm. Right. Final question before I let you go. How do you see um, the gaming landscape changing over the next five or 10 years? And, and what excites you most about it? Well, I think, um, I think if, I, if I step back five, six years ago, um, uh, gaming uh, was big then and it's growing and growing. And I think, I think um, gaming uh, with new, uh, new uh, games and publishers coming on board, it excites me because this will drive uh, a brand new industry even better, faster, quicker. And I think um, underpinning that from a payments uh, excitement is that we need to service that industry. We need to make sure that we enable the publisher to take a payment fast, securely, and on demand. Those are the three things that I always think about when I talk of talk to my customers. You mm. want your payments fast because liquidity and cash in your back pocket is very, very important. You want it secure. You don't want your um, gamer to, to scam you or a scammer to scam the gamer. Mm. And you want it on demand, fast, efficient, and on demand. And I think um, I think that's what's exciting me, that as game gamers evolve, gaming evolves, we have to evolve with it. And that's mm -hmm. a really important piece for me. Wonderful. Prafal Mara, thank you very much for your time today. Richard, thank you very much for having me. Really, really enjoyed it. Thank you. My pleasure. Folks, I've been on the phone with Prafal Mara. He is Nuve's Global Expansion Officer. They are a global payments technology company with headquarters in Montreal. They provide businesses with pay-in and pay-out options, including card issuing, banking, risk, and fraud management services, and enables them to accept more than 570 alternative payment methods if you missed any part of this show don't forget you can download the podcast a little bit later on i recommend you download the bfm app it's available on the apple app store or google play for tech talk here on bfm my name is rich bradbury on bfm 89.9
You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.